If you got your Bibles, you'll join me in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew thanks brother. Matthew chapter 6 and uh, verses 1 through 4. Read it just a few moments ago as we are continuing in our series called Red Letters. And uh, if you notice there in the Gospels, if you have a red letter Bible, uh, you'll see red words, red letters signifying the words of King Jesus. And uh, since the start of the year and uh, through these weeks and going into tomorrow, we are, I'm sorry, next Sunday, uh, we are uh, going to be uh, walking through these commands of Christ. And our theme this morning is around a powerful word uh, that's called giving. Um, God desires to, to grow us, to, to mold us more and more to His image, uh, to, to, uh, to, to sanctify us, becoming more and more like Him. I'm, I'm so encouraged by passages like, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 where it talks about he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it to completion. It's this understanding that we don't have it all together and we don't know everything and we're not perfect people. Uh, but as believers who have repented and believed in King Jesus, we're a redeemed people and he desires to grow us and shape us and mold us into he has uh, died for us to be for his glory um, I'm, in, I'm encouraged by the Word of God that reminds us that, that everything we have and everything we are belong to Him. The ultimate will of God, uh, and I, I, I've asked myself kind of growing up, even in my own relationship with Jesus, like what's God's will for my life? God's, what's, what's God's will for my life? In Romans 8.28 God gives us that vision, that will for our lives, and it is this, is that we would be conformed to the image of God's Son. That as we grow in our relationship with Lord, as we yield to His Spirit, as we bring ourselves under the authority of His Word, as by His Holy Spirit we seek to live a life that honors Him and glorifies Him, that He will grow us more and more and more into his image. So there's this growth, this maturity that happens in our relationship with Jesus. The students over D-Now weekend uh, were challenged about just taking that next step, growing in your relationship with God, having uh, with God's grace, God's help, those gospel conversations, sharing about the good news of Jesus that God desires to grow us. I, I was reminded uh, just even in my own household with our youngest uh, that around July, our, our baby boy started crawling. July, he started crawling. Uh, and then in around September, October, uh, maybe it was more October, November, he went from crawling to like kind of like standing. And he started kind of doing this right here. And then it was like another month later into November, December, and he started kind of taking a walk for the first time. And you just kind of start seeing him take these Walks and then by January, little man is just like stomping around, just like all over the place. And now by February, literally, I like we need a tracking device on him because like we blink and he he's gone. And it's it's this it's this picture of of I believe just a, a physical illustration of the design of our relationship with the Lord is that we grow, we mature, and He grows us more and more into His image. And, and I, my hunch is, is that if we took a poll, there's nobody here that would say, I have it all together, I know all the answers, that I'm a perfect person, because we know, we know we are imperfect, sinful people, but by God's grace, He wants to grow us and mature us 
to look more and more like Him. So Jesus is going to challenge us today through the Word in an area that ultimately it is an area of the heart. Everything is God more than anything else. He wants our hearts. And the main idea that I want to walk through this morning as we walk through the text, and I shared it a moment ago, is that one of the most profound truths as a follower of Jesus is this foundation. And this foundation comes throughout the Word, and the foundation is this, everything I am and everything I have belong to Him. As we look in the Word, a couple of verses I want to share before we get into Matthew chapter 6. The first is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Paul is sharing this to the church at Corinth. And he says this, Do you not know, he's talking to the church, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And I love this line, You are not your own. You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Paul's conviction was that in response to God's grace and His love and His care and His rescue and His forgiveness, the gift of the presence of His Spirit, like Paul lived with this understanding that I am not my own, that I've been bought with a price, I've been redeemed, the Word says, that, that our Forgiveness came at a very high price, a price that we cannot pay. We just sang a song about it. Jesus paid it all. He's the only one who could pay our sin debt. And in response to His rescue and His redemption and His forgiveness, everything I have and everything I am belong to Him. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul again writing to the church at Galatia, he says this, I've been crucified with Christ. I want to take just a moment to pause and I, I want us to think about what comes to mind when you think of crucifixion. And oftentimes our hearts and our minds reflect back to what, what that must have been like or looked like on the hill called Calvary when Christ was crucified. And this is what Paul says. Paul says, in response to God's grace toward me, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. This truth changes everything about the believer's life. That when we live in light of everything we are and everything we have belong to Him, it reorients everything in our lives. Everything. I just reflect on my own life. I think about my, the, the marriage that God has blessed me with and my bride. And, and, I, and I understand like my view of marriage is different because of the fact that God has rescued me and how He has laid out in His Word that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Christ gave His all for the church and we give our all for the bride for our brides, that changes the way. I'm, a, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I want to be a good steward. I want to honor the Lord with all that He's entrusted to me. I'm a caretaker. I'm a manager. I'm a steward of everything I have and everything I am. Not just that, but my kids. 
Sometimes my wife and I were even just talking about the other day, like we just stopped and we're like, can you believe that we're parents? <laughs> like, we just have these like aha moments, like I'm, I'm responsible for, for pouring in. I'm so thankful that God loves our kids more than anybody ever could. And, 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 and so with my kids, it's like, it's not, yes, I want to help them excel and exceed in, in school and I want them to enjoy things that they enjoy doing and all of that. I'm for that, but I'm also just humbled to remind myself God has stewarded my children to me, entrusted them to my care, to shepherd their hearts, to love God above all, to love His church. And that stewardship, I'm reminded as a pastor, and I've shared oftentimes, like I'm the least likely person who ever thought that they would be a pastor. It's a humbling thing, but Christ is the head of His church. He's the good shepherd. And, and we seek to follow Him and to follow His lead in a way that honors Him for His glory and His mission. But we're stewards of what He's done. He's bought His church with His blood. It's His church. Your careers, your jobs, your vocations, your retirement, whatever that looks like, we're stewards of what God has entrusted to us. Managers of what God has entrusted to us. And not only just our stewarding our vocation or our retirement, but it digs into our time. Like it changes everything when I view my time as God's time. It changes everything when I, when I, when I think through the perspective of, of every gift or ability or, or resource that I have. Like it, it's all His. He's entrusted that to me. And He's called me to steward it in a way that brings honor and glory to Him. And so, in light of this reality that everything we have and everything we are belong to Him. We're going to walk through these red letters that He gives us as it relates to kingdom living as a kingdom citizen. I love that I'm a citizen of Olive Branch. I love I'm a citizen of this community, North Mississippi. I love to be a citizen of Mississippi, the United States, and, and everything. Like I, I love that. I am reminded, though, ultimately, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. Like, He is Lord. He is King. And by His grace, I want to honor Him and love Him with everything I have and everything I am. And I believe that is the genuine heart cry of every believer who has been rescued. I believe that with all of my heart. And so, in Matthew chapter 6, I mentioned Jesus is on the mountain uh, he's on the Galilean mountainside, and he's taking the posture of the teacher. If you look at 5, 6, and 7, it's all red because it's the Sermon on the Mount. And he's teaching, and in chapter 6, he's making a turn, and he's turning to what does practical living as a kingdom citizen, what does that look like? What does that look like? And so let's look at three observations this morning as it relates specifically to, to giving. To giving. Our motivation matters to God. Our motivation matters to Him. In chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Is that word beware again written originally in the Greek? It's where we get our understanding of Jesus is saying, I want to have your attention. I want you to take hold of this, what I'm about to say. And he's going to talk about these acts of righteousness. Matthew chapter 6 talks about giving, and then he talks about praying, and then he talks about fasting. All very essential 
spiritual acts of worship and discipline for the believer's life that God uses to grow us and to mature us more and more into His image. And so He's wanting to draw some focus and He wants us to get attention and take a hold of what He's about to say when He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen. That word to be seen there is actually a theater term. I don't know how many of y'all have gone, you bought a ticket, whether you go to the Orpheum or you go to a college or you go to a high school or elementary, you go to a play and you go in and you sit in the chair and you're watching what's going on. What are you watching? You're not watching real life, are you? You're watching a play. You're watching people act like these people who this story is about and it's all a show. It's all a performance. It's all to make sure you get your money's worth when you get that ticket and you're entertained while you watch. That's what Jesus is talking about when He talks about be wearing of practicing your righteousness before other people to be seen. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And here's the danger. Here's the danger in even what Christ is speaking to with with this sermon, he, he's saying there's a way you can give and your motive is such that you're actually not giving from a desire to want to honor God. You're actually giving so other people will see that you're giving and, and talk about how awesome you are. And there's also a way that he warns, and we spoke about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about prayer, that, that some of those legalistic Jews, Pharisees, they would actually map out their prayer time so that they would be at the busiest street corner when it was time to pray so that when they pray, people would hear all of their words and think, wow, they're really spiritual. Wow, they really have it together. That He warns them a little bit later about fasting. Fasting is a, is a gift from our Lord. Believers ought to fast. But yet he warns them because there is a motive that they were fasting so that they would look pale. The Bible speaks about their faces even being disfigured to the point that when they're out, somebody would see them and be like, wow, what's wrong? Are you OK? And it would be this opportunity to be like, I'm fasting, <laughs> you know, like like wanting that attention. And it's like what God is saying to his people is that God does not reward actors who rob him of his glory. He goes on to say in verse 2, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be, there it is, praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So there's this giving of the needy that Jesus, and, and I believe this is like a, you know, kind of like a, just a, a, a tongue-in-cheek kind of phrase of like, it's like trumpet-sounding giving. Like it would be really random if even right now, and I almost thought about doing this, but I didn't know who played a trumpet. But like just to have somebody out here who just all of a sudden would just stand up and start playing a trumpet. What would we do? We would all look at the trumpet player, <laughs> right? And this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, when you give, don't be like the hypocrites do who give in a trumpet-sounding way. In other words, look at me and look what I'm giving and look how spiritual I am. That word hypocrites, it's another word pulled out of the Greek culture which meant an actor. And that picture there is of an actor that is playing another role and they would go and they would put on a mask 
And this mask would represent whoever they're pretending to be. And all the while in the Greek culture, in the Greek theater, you see these hypocrites, right? They're, they're pretending to be somebody they're not. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, don't give in that way. Don't give to be seen. And He shares in such a way that truly they have received their reward. In other words, if you're giving for the praise of other people and for people to acknowledge and to give praise, Jesus is saying, that is your reward. That is, that is for you. You desire that. But it's robbing Him of His glory. Acts of mercy are not for attention. Acts of mercy are to bring adoration to the Father. And so we see Jesus lovingly teaching us what kingdom living as a kingdom, kingdom citizen looks like. When you give, don't sound trumpets. When you don't give, don't give as the hypocrites do. This is an act of worship as we will see in just a moment. So our motivation matters to God. A second truth is this. We are blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. In this room right now, every single one of us are walking through some area of brokenness. Some area of brokenness. And in this room, in that brokenness, we also are all here understanding and realizing just how blessed we are. How God has so richly blessed us. Verse 3, Matthew 6 says, But when you give to the needy. And I want to stop right there. But when you give. This is the second time He said it. When you give, when you give. In other words, Jesus has this expectation and understanding that out of the overflow of our loving relationship with God, because God is a generous God, we will be a generous people. And so this question of giving is as automatic as the breath that we breathe. When you give to the knee, giving is an act of mercy that He expects us to do. All through Scripture, you see God calling His people to care and pour into the stranger and to the struggler and to the poor, the needy. You see it all through Scripture. So God delights in our giving, delights in this act of mercy. And there's two ways briefly I want to speak to that we see giving through the believer's life. And one is that regular and planned giving through the work of the local church. You see it in 1 Corinthians 16 too on the First day of every week, each of you is to put something aside, to store it up, uh, save as he may prosper. And I think it's important right now to just have a, have a moment to have a, a biblical foundation for like, so what is the deal with tithe? Like, where does that come from? How is that play? How does that affect my life, my relationship with the Lord? Where does that come from? And very briefly, I want to walk through the biblical foundation of what, what, what this tithing thing is we're introduced to it in the old covenant in the mosaic law in leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 god says every tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees is the lord's it is holy to the lord verse 34 says these are the commandments that the lord commanded moses for the people of israel on mount sinai so this is Old Testament law. This is a law of God for His people. In 2 Chronicles 31 verse 5, 
The Bible says, as soon as the command was spread abroad, the people of Israel gave in abundance the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, and all of the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. They brought in a tithe of everything. And I love that word first fruits because, because it's this idea that like, like God deserves our first and our best. Like I'm thinking all of us like to eat, right? Fresh food. It's way better than heated up food five days later, right? Uh, unless you're really hungry and then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But, but it's this idea of like everything I have, everything I am belong to Him. He's worthy of those first fruits. Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 10. God says this, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. It helps us to remember why the law, why the law. It reminds us of the holy character of God. Why the law? It identified the people of God as a distinct people devoted to God. Why the law? Because we understand we can't keep it and we desperately need God because we can. And so why and how? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came to fulfill the law's righteous requirement for us, those who repent and believe in Him. So tithing was this way that God helped His people understand that, that, that everything belongs to Him. That it's all His. And in this act of giving, we are reminded that everything we have and everything we are belong to Him. We see in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus upholds the tithe there as He addresses the Pharisees and the, the, the Jewish people. Every New Testament act of giving is a sacrificial giving act. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43 and 44, um, Peter, Acts 2, preaches the gospel. Thousands of people come to faith in Christ. And before the chapter is over, you have brand new believers selling their positions to give to anyone who had need. It's amazing to see this early church example of the early church living life with an open hand. And I say open hand because when you have an open hand, it means it can be taken out of your hand. But when you have this, it's actually a sign that you don't have stuff. Stuff has you. And so it's this invitation to trust God with everything that we have. In the New Testament, Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's farmer's term, it's agricultural term. Don't know if we have any farmers in the house, but we're approaching spring and it's almost time to plant the seed. And so what is the farmer going to do? Like just kind of like sprinkle in like one or two seeds or they're going to they're gonna put, put the seed out there. Why? Because to see 
that harvest. So we see this principle that Jesus teaches each man should give what he has decided in his heart. So it's a purposeful act, a meaningful act, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So it could be as we look through the roots of tithe and how that this has been God's pathway for his people to learn Life and generosity and understanding that it's all His, everything we have and everything we are. It is possible that that that, that someone comes say, well, like so so like, but but I'm not under law. I'm under grace. And to which I say, praise God, we're under grace. Praise God for His grace. We are through Christ recipients of His grace. But the encouragement is that it could be, well, I'm a grace giver, not a law giver, and. And, and, and we, we give as a result of God's grace toward us, but every believer I've ever had a tithing conversation with, it, is, it has been this understanding and, 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 and even affirmation that like, even as a grace giver, would we not hold to what God has, has taught us as His covenant people throughout the generations? And so you see this giving through the local church, but you also see meeting specific needs. I wish we could have an opportunity for testimony just to share how perhaps even in your life, somebody has seen you, seen you in your need, and they took that initiative to lovingly, caringly pour into you in some type of way. I love the words of Jesus in Matthew 25, verse 35 through 40. Jesus says, For I was hungry, and listen to this, you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. That our motivation matters to God. We have been blessed. Why? To be a blessing. Everything we are, everything we have belong to Him. Living life with us open hand, sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading and prompting and guiding. And there's a third observation that I would love to bring just to light in this text, and that is this. Giving is an act of worship between us and God. What did Jesus say? As, 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 as you did for the least of these, you have done for me. What, what is He saying? He's saying that every time you sacrificially give of your time in order to pour into someone in need. Every time you pour in and sacrifice, perhaps maybe that, that gift, that talent, that ability that God's put in you and you pour into other people or whether it is uh, involved with a resource of some, site that, some way that you know the Holy Spirit has prompted you and you've just seen a need and you've, you haven't sounded trumpets and you're not trying to get praise and you haven't gone to the busiest streets so that everybody will see it. No, like God laid that on your heart. And, as an, and, and what God is saying is when you, when you meet a need, it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship to the Lord. 
Verse 3 says this, 3 and 4, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In that day, in that culture, uh, the work was done a lot with the right hand, so much so that they would, in that culture, understand this language of left hand and right hand. Jesus is speaking to the culture. He's speaking to a way that they'll understand. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Giving is relational. Giving is unto our Father. Giving is secret. Giving is private. Giving is an act of worship to the Lord. We talk about that that song that we sung, worship is more than a song. And we know that. Worship is our response to who God is in His grace and in His love. That in His grace and His love, we respond in worship. And so when we love the Lord, the Bible says, if you love me, you'll obey. So we love God, we'll, we walk in obedience. That is worship to the Father. And I, I do feel that it is important just to bring to light that it is, it is true. And Jesus told us it was true. He said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. That He doesn't say, hey, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. That your heart will follow your treasure. Your heart always follows your treasure. Whatever it is you treasure. And when we say treasure, what we're talking about is what do you or who do you value more than anything else in your life? And whatever that object is, whether it's a person, a place, or a thing, when that is what you treasure, your heart is going to go there. And what Jesus is helping us see is like, this isn't about like, he has, he doesn't need me. He doesn't need what I have. He, as the psalmist says, has a thousand, owner of a thousand, cattle on a thousand hills. Like he, he's got every resource, but what does he want? He wants our hearts. He wants our heart. Everything we have, everything we are belong to Him. And I would say if there was a driving truth that we could walk away is that, that we would treasure Christ more than anything else. That is the heart of prayer. It's the heart of fasting. It's the heart of giving. It's the heart of any spiritual discipline that God would have. It's just that we treasure Him above all. And where your treasure is, your heart is going to Follow that. It has been said that money more than anything else has the greatest potential to replace God in your life. So this challenge from the Word is that God cares about our motivation. The challenge in the Word is that we have been blessed to be a blessing. And we see that giving, this isn't to be done in public. This isn't to sound trumpets. Listen, giving is private and giving is unto the Lord. It's an act of worship. So as we wrap up this morning, I just want to leave us with a couple questions to reflect on, to ponder about. And, uh, and the first is, I just encourage us to ask this question. What do you What do I treasure above all in my life and in my heart? And then what is 
what tangible next step is the Holy Spirit prompting me, leading me to take? And honestly, that is a private matter in secret between you and the Lord. But as we stand on Scripture and we live life with open hands and we live life as everything we have and everything we are belong to Him, that it reorients everything in our lives, changes everything. And He is worthy. Why? Because He has rescued us and He has redeemed us in His grace. There's a, a It's been shared before and, and I just... I think about a check. You see a check, and, and I want you to have a kind of a check in your, in, your, in, your, in your vision. And if you've ever written a check, you're going to pay that to the order of somebody. And it's in the amount of something. And then when you sign that line on the bottom right corner and you put that in the mail, that is your commitment that you are gifting and giving whatever this is. And so even, even this morning, I just would wonder how many of us have ever thought about our lives as a blank check. Our lives as a blank check. And who, who, who is our lives made out to? And that for the believer that we could respond by simply saying, King Jesus. And that as for the amount that it would be, once again, everything I have and everything I am. Signed by the name of the one who has been rescued by God's amazing grace for the purpose of His glory and His mission. So God help us. God help us. That more than anything else, God wants our heart heart because our, our hearts follow what we treasure. Let's pray together. Father, I, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the fact that you loved us enough to gift us with your word, your word of divine authoritative instruction for our lives as believers and God, I am so thankful for Matthew chapter 6, God, that outlines what kingdom living actually looks like and, and what, 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 what does it mean, what does it look like, and how you remind us through this very brief teaching that our giving is an act of worship, that our giving is, is, in, a, is in a way that brings glory and honor to you. It's a private thing. It's a secret thing. We don't give to be seen. We don't give to be acknowledged. We don't give to be praised. But Father, we give to you. And this goes way bigger than a dollar amount. But God, it has to do with our time and our energy and our resources and our priorities and the way we orient our lives. But God, you have called us as kingdom citizens be God-honoring stewards of all that you've entrusted us. And we know apart from you, we can do nothing. But through you, we can do all things. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And so God, I pray for believers in the room 
Whatever the next step looks like, God, may you find us faithful, surrendered, and obedient. God, I pray that as a body of believers, you would find us yielded, surrendered, longing to make much of you and to honor you and glorify you with our hearts. And that we'd be hungry for you, hungry for your presence, hungry for your word, hungry to bring glory and honor to you. God, I pray uh, for uh, perhaps that, that person who might be here listening in this morning and uh, perhaps more than anything else would hear how much you love them. You're a generous God. You're a generous God. For God so loved the world that He gave, that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting eternal life, God. You gave all for us. And so I pray, God, that today would be the day of turning from sin and self and yielding and surrendering to You as Lord of all, believing in Your perfect life, death, burial, and glorious resurrection. Father, we love You and we praise You. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray everything we have everything we are belong to you because you alone are to be treasured above all. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me as we have a song of response. We'll have pastors who are here. We'd love to pray over you, pray for you. And uh, my encouragement is just that we would be sensitive to however the Lord would lead us in this time.